Good morning. Glad to see everybody. Um, our first song was going to be up on the screen. Um, so y'all will look that way. And I'm going to ask everybody who's able to, if you'll stand while we sing this. Oh, worship the king. Turn to page 362. Page 362. I am thine, O Lord. We're going to sing all four verses. Oh 
last song will be up on the screen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. <coughs> One ninety eight.
that that is a promise from you, Lord, that when we cast our cares on you and trust you to take care of us and provide us with what we need, God, that our perspective can change when we put you at the center, and God, and when we choose to give you all of ourselves, God, our bodies, souls, and minds, and God, I pray that we learn better about how to do that, how to, when we do that, Lord, that we can show your love and your truth to people, Lord, when we're letting you lead us and guide us and have all of us. Be with us as we hear from your word today, Lord, I pray for our members, God, that aren't able to be here today, um, whether sick or um, other things going on, God, I just pray that you um, be with them and touch them in a special way today as well, and those, Lord, who are hearing this on the internet, God, just um, speak to them in a special way as well. In your name we pray, amen. We're in Romans 12 this morning, verse number (laughs) 1. I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but most all of the Apostle Paul's writings in the Bible start out with a, at the beginning of his books, he, he teaches doctrine, he teaches theology. And then he moves to a place toward the end of the books where he teaches practical application of that theology. So we've been studying theology for the first 11 chapters of Romans, studying doctrine, to prepare us for the last part here that begins in chapter 12, which is the practical application to our lives as believers. And this morning we're going to take a look at true Christian service. Uh... We've seen through the book of Romans that the, that God has, has justified us, that He has sanctified us, He's glorified us. You know, he, He's given it all to us. We'll see here in just a moment as we move into this first verse that uh, God has done everything for us. If you're a child of God, it's all because of God. Amen? Amen. And so... Now, through all this stuff that we've learned, we've learned that God is faithful. He's faithful to Israel. He's going to accomplish His program and His plan with Israel. And He's going to accomplish His plan with the church. So now we get to the point that says, well, what does that mean to me? So what? What do I do in light of that fact? We're going to see this morning that true Christian service is only accomplished when we stop presenting the members of our body to serve sin and present them once and for all as a living sacrifice to God. So that's where the application begins this morning. Is knowing all that God has done for us, what are we to do? We're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's true Christian service. Romans 12 uh, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now the first thing we notice here in this verse is that he tells us why we ought to do this. Why, why, and all the things that we've learned, here's what we should do, and here's the reason why. 
because of God's mercies. If you remember when we ended uh, Romans 9 verses 30 through 32, uh, we see that everything is about the mercy of God. Everything is about the mercy of God. I, I think I've got uh, Romans 9 there in the notes, but it's Romans 11. Romans 11, verses... Let's just read that. Let's take a minute and read this. Romans 11, beginning with verse 30. It says, For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Remember, he's telling us that the Gentiles are obtaining mercy right now because of Israel's unbelief. In verse 31, he says, Even so, have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. So he's saying that right now through the Gentiles being saved, one day that will provoke the, the Jews to jealousy and they'll turn their faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's got a plan. He's got it all worked out. But notice he says it's all to do with the mercy of God. Verse 32 says, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief. The, the them all means all of us. Romans chapter 3 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that none seeketh after God. No, not one. Not one is righteous. God looks at all mankind. He says, You're all in unbelief. So God has concluded everybody that way. And verse 32 says that He might have mercy upon all. It's because we were in unbelief that God sent His Son Jesus to die for our sins. What does John 3.16 says? That those who believe on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's right. So that's, that's, that's it. He sees us all in unbelief. He sent Jesus to make a way for us to be saved so that we could believe in Him and be saved. Amen? And it's all to do with His mercy. God did not ask a one of us about sending Jesus. Matter of fact, if you remember, we saw in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 6, that, that Jesus was elected by the Godhead. The Son of God was elected by the Godhead in eternity past to be the one that would come to earth and become a man and die for, the, for our sins. He says, Wherefore, in 1 Peter 2.6, also it contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Notice he says that he was elect. It was elected that, that the Son of God would become our Savior. So, none of us had a, a say in that. God didn't call us and say, What's your vote? He decided all of that and it was because of His mercy toward us. Because we were all in unbelief. And we also see that, that His mercy foreordained you and me as objects of salvation. There are those that are elect. The elect of God. We studied that in Romans 9. God has foreordained. And even in, in Romans 8, Listen to Romans 8, uh, verses 29 and 30. 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. In God's mind, it's done. Jesus said when he died on the cross, it is finished. In God's mind, it's, it's complete. It's just a matter of time until all the things finish up in, in, in what we know is time. But in God's mind, it, it's a done deal. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can change it. Those He did foreknow, says those He also did predestinate. So, if you're saved today, what I'm trying to tell you is it's all based on God's mercy and nothing that you did. You had nothing to do with it. So, who should we be praising today? That's right. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Because He did it all for us. So that's the first thing we see here is that we should do this because of God's mercies. And we see here He tells us um, that I beseech you therefore brethren He said by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now He first tells us here that we are to do this by presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. I saw a couple of things here out of this word present that I think might be helpful to us. First, I think it tells us that we, we are to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice by staying close to God. The word present comes from a word that means to stand by, to place near, or beside. If you're working with someone... You know, if you're a grunt on a construction site, you better stay close and stand by and stay near to those that's doing the work so when they holler for you to go fetch them a two-by-four or whatever they might need, you'll be ready and available to serve them. Right? <clears throat> I think that's sort of the idea here is if you're going to serve God, you got to be close. you got to be ready for Him to use you. Uh, Samuel in the Bible, young Samuel, gives us a, an example of this in 1 Samuel 3, verses 9 and 10. You'll remember if you've read that before that, you know, Samuel, the Lord was calling Samuel when he was a young boy. And, and of course, Samuel first thought that it was Eli that was calling him. And finally, it says here, Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Unless you're close to God and staying close to God, you won't hear him speak. You got to stay close to God by staying in this book. This is how God speaks to you and me. This is how he speaks. And and if God puts a thought on your mind or a, a desire in your heart, if if 
if, if it's from God, it's going to line up with this book. The primary way we hear God, though, is, is through this book, reading this book. I can't emphasize that enough. You can't just sit quiet and listen for God's voice. The Bible tells us to test the Spirit, so that tells us right there that there's other spirits that can speak to our minds. And evil spirits can speak to your mind and make you think that they're God. Do you know that there's spirits today that are appearing to people and saying that they're Jesus? Remember the Bible talks about people preaching another Jesus. <clears throat> the Jesus of Jesus calling is not the Jesus of the Bible. You got to be real careful. So you got to stay close if you're going to hear from God. Another thing he tells us here is that this word present gives the idea of making a Old Testament sacrifice. Uh, the Greek word that is used here is found throughout the Septuagint, and it's used with the was used with the Old Testament sacrificial system. It's the same word that's used to talk about the Old Testament sacrificial system. So I, I think that 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 was what was in the mind of God here as He was leading Paul to write this, is that He's He's giving us a picture. Uh, of, of the Old Testament priest making a sacrifice and saying that we ought to make a sacrifice, but our sacrifice is a little different. Uh, he says here that instead of presenting a dead sacrifice, we are to present a living sacrifice. Uh, Romans I mean, Hebrews 10, 9 and 10 says, Then said he, now, what, before I read this, let me just say, Jesus has already taken care of, of our New Testament part of presenting a dead sacrifice to God. Jesus presented himself as a, as a, as a dead sacrifice when he died on the cross, right? So that's already been done. What God wants from you and me now in light of that is for us to present ourselves as living sacrifices. Dead sacrifices can't serve God, but living sacrifices can. In Roman, uh, Hebrews 10, 9 and 10, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we... By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus took care of, of the dead sacrifice on our behalf. He offered himself uh, and died in our place for our sins. Yes, amen. Praise God for that. So now, he says, we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices, just like the Old Testament priests. You know, we're New Testament priests. The Bible says that we're priests. We're priests before God. That's why, that's why the idea of having to go to a man that says he's a priest and that he's a go-between between you and God, that's not biblical. The Old Testament, you had to have that. But in the New Testament, what happened when Jesus died on the cross? The veil was ripped, that's right, down the middle, from top to bottom. God took a hold of it. He ripped it 
the way was made open for you and me to go into the most holy place. And in Christ, we're priests. He's the high priest. Christ is our high priest, and we're a kingdom of priests. So you can go directly to God anytime you want to. And it's because Jesus has offered the once and for all sacrifice that makes that possible. Why does God want our bodies? Why does He want our bodies? You know, honestly, for years I read through Romans. I've, I've preached this verse many times and talked about presenting ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. It's only been as we went through Romans this time that I've seen that there, He teaches a difference between our bodies and our spirits. This is not about giving ourselves to God. We've already given, He's already got our spirit, but He wants our body. That's what He's talking about here, our, our body. Our physical being. That's what He wants us to make as a living sacrifice to Him. Why? Well, in this present dimension in which we live, our bodies are the only means that we have of expressing ourselves. I stand here and talk to you through my body. If my body ceases to function and it dies, I can't talk to you anymore. I can't see you. You can't talk to me. I can't hear you. Right? The only way I can, we can function with one another is through our bodies. But we also know that we've been taught as we've gone through this book that <clears throat> our spirits have been made new in Christ. Amen. And our spirits are perfect. They've been redeemed. They've been born again. But this body is still yet to be redeemed. That's my hope. We saw that in Romans 8. That's the hope that we have as believers. That our body will be redeemed. So right now, I still live in a, uh, in a body that is marred by sin. Still has sinful tendencies still wants to serve sin and so it's up to me and you to decide will we let our bodies serve sin or will we let our bodies serve the Lord in Romans 8 21 through 23 he tells us because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but also ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. See, you have the first fruits of the Spirit in your spirit. Remember 1 John 3, 9 says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Our spirits are perfect and sinless. But finishing up Romans eight twenty three, he says, 
even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. That's still yet to come. Remember Paul's struggle he talked about in Romans 7? That the very thing that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the very thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. If you're born again, you know what that struggle's all about. And it's a struggle between your spirit that is perfect and sold out to God and your body that is still marred by sin and still wants to serve sinful flesh. Y'all look mighty sleepy. <laughs> Listen to Romans 6, verses 16 through 18. It says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. In your being, in your spirit, if you're born again, we've learned from Romans chapter 6, you have a new master. And you have a desire to serve God. Amen? I mean, when I was saved, I was just a little kid, but when I was saved, I know things changed for me. The desires that I had and, and the thoughts that I had. I didn't really think about God <clears throat> until I was saved. I went to church just because I had to. There was parts of it I liked, parts of it I didn't like. And I just really didn't care anything about it. I don't ever remember wanting to read my Bible or talk to God. I don't ever remember hearing His Spirit on the inside of me when I do something wrong. It says, you shouldn't be doing that. I don't ever remember that before I was saved. The only, the only deterrent I had to evil was on the outside that I might get caught and I might get my hind end blistered. You know, that was the only deterrent I had to, to sin. I, I didn't have anything on the inside that made me feel bad about doing wrong things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But even as a little kid, when I was saved, all of a sudden things changed for me. <clears throat> I had a desire to want to serve God. To want to please Him. I wanted to talk to Him. I wanted to hear from Him. Now, I didn't spend hours every day in the, in the, in the Bible like I do now. Matter of fact... I'd take it to church and bring it home and, and, and laid it right down on my dresser. And I wouldn't probably pick it up again until I went to church the next Sunday. But if I got in a mess, I knew where to turn. I'd turn to God and I'd turn to His Word. See, that, that changed. I never had a thought like that before. And I remember doing things I shouldn't do. And when I was done... Something inside me said, you ought not do that. That's not right. I had a new master. I didn't serve sin anymore. Didn't want to serve sin anymore. And I, and I don't serve sin in my spirit. 
in the inward man, as Paul says. So I agree, you know, in the inward man, that uh, well, let's 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 read that. I think I have that right here, Romans seven, starting with verse eighteen. He says, "For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing." Now, the the flesh here that he's talking about is not just our bodies, physical bodies. He's also talking about the the leftover desires of sin that still dwell in it. Okay? He says, For to will is present with me. See, in your spirit, you want to serve God. I don't want to sin. Adrian Rogers, I remember hearing him saying one time, he said that, that, you know, you preach grace and people will say, well, you're preaching, you can get saved and sin all you want to. He says, I sin more than I want to. You see, you don't want to sin. Because you have a new master. He says, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That spirit, that, that inward person. All you want to do is serve God. All you want to do is please God. But you wrestle with your flesh that still remains in this sin-marred body that's yet to be redeemed. He says, verse 23, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So, you have this war going on. I've heard it said that that Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, dead men don't wrestle. If you don't have this war going on in you, you may not be saved. If you can live your life and do the things you want to do and you have nothing inside you that makes you feel like, hey, the things I'm doing are, are wrong, I shouldn't do these things, you may not be saved. Because I promise you, if you're saved... Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. You don't understand that stuff unless you're saved. You wrestle all the time. You want to do the good thing, the right thing, the righteous thing, but there's sin with you all the time in your flesh that's trying to pull you into the other. So, that's why He wants our bodies. He wants our bodies because it's, it's left up to us to decide who will get use of our bodies. Will we continue to give use of our body to the desires of the sinful flesh or will we stop that and give the use of our bodies to the Holy Spirit that lives in our spirit? That's what this is all about is making that decision. And, and Paul ends up Romans 7 and 8, uh, starts in the verse, uh, chapter 8. Let me read this too before we move on. 
He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. It's just like it's going on all the time. Your flesh wants to sin, and the Spirit of God wants to lead you to do righteousness. What does it say in Galatians chapter 5? That the Spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. That's the battle that he's talking about. Every time the Spirit of God is leading us into righteousness, the flesh is, is, is lusting against Him and desiring against that and wanting to pull us into sin. And every time our sinful flesh wants to pull us into sin, the Spirit of God fights against that and, and wants to pull us back to God. Thank God for His Spirit. You ever thought about where you might be today if you'd never gotten saved? What if God had allowed me to continue on in sin with the sinful habits and desires and thoughts that I had and the things that was in me that would come out one day I don't even know if I'd still be alive do you realize what God's done for you yes. by saving your soul yes. Yes. <laughs> he saved you from a life that would have been totally dominated by sin. And nothing you could do about it. There's not one thing a sinner can do to stop living in sin. Nothing. All the self-help programs in the world are just like putting a Band-Aid on an artery that's gushing blood. It's, it, it, will, it will do no eternal good. Eventually, you're still going to bleed to death. Might slow it down. But think about what He's done for us. If you didn't have His Holy Spirit in you, you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. You wouldn't have a desire for God or for His Word or for, the, for living a, a holy life. And, and you didn't have nothing to do with it. Whom he foreknew, he predestined, and he called, and he justified, and he glorified. You understand? (laughs) Yes, praise God. But Romans 8 begins, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You have this wrestling match going on, God knows all about it. You're not condemned because of it. Because in the inward man, you've already been born again. You're a child of God. You walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. 
just because you commit a sinful act as a believer, you're not walking after the flesh. You're not wanting to live in the flesh. That's not your desire. Sometimes it gets the best of you, but as soon as it does, your Father, I know that's sinful. I, I don't want to do that. Help me not to live like that, Lord. Help me not to give in to those things. Right? Amen. Why? Because you're walking after the Spirit. The Spirit's in you. He's the one that's leading and guiding you. So, as I said, he's saying here, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You have the decision to make. There are people that are saved that will not reach a point to where they want to be serious enough to really deal with the sinful things in their life. They're not staying close to God. And they're not spending time with Him. And they're not wanting to sacrifice their bodies to Him. But there are those that have a real desire to live for the Lord. And we're going to look at that next week. Because I feel like you've had enough. And this is a good place to stop because it, just look, go home this week and read chapter 12. Study on these verses 1 and 2. Go read Galatians chapter 5. Think about what God's teaching us through His Word. Because we've already made the case this morning that, that God is asking you to present your body a living sacrifice to stop giving your body to sin and the flesh and give your body to the Lord. So next week we'll just dig a little deeper into that. How about that? Lord willing, if we're still here, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the Word of God. And thank you for teaching it to us and helping us to be able to, to learn it and understand it and know it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our teacher. Father, I pray everyone here will spend time in the Word this week and they'll hear your voice through it accurately. That we'll be able to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh that we'll seriously contemplate what it means to present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. God, help us to do that. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.